Remember, in chess, the pawns go first. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Nerds and Rounds, guys. It's your host, Sebastian. Boy, law. And your boy, Tone, from across the hall. And tonight, we have a great episode for you guys. But first, some announcements. So as we've been saying on our Tuesdays lives, every Tuesday we have been going live at 9 p.m. We've been talking about The Mandalorian. Um, the 22nd would be our season finale on that for the 2020. Every Saturday, make sure to check out the Medusa's Cascade D&D podcast that is dropping every Saturday on your favorite podcast app. Go to Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to a podcast. Um, today, we are going to be talking about character creations. We want to welcome back Keiko back from MLA Entertainment, creator of Project Infinity. Keiko, welcome back. Yay. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> so, Keiko is a veteran here. You can check out her links in the description below, especially check out her series, Project Infinity, which again, they are dropping a new episode. Um, Keiko, when, Keiko, when do you drop your episodes? Well, it's, it's a bit sporadic because each episode takes about two to three months to make, no joke. But our current one will already have come out by the time this comes out. And so uh, December 10th. And so uh, you guys can look forward to it. We've got a couple more episodes that will follow up to finish the season. So early next year. Nice. And what you guys are going to be learning is about her creative process on how she created this That's wonderful right. world. And today we have a first with us. He's been here. He's new on the show. Um, he's a comic book writer. You've seen him on some of the convention scene. Give it up for Jay Hewer. Hey, guys. How are you? Glad hey. to be here. Good. Thanks for having What's me. What's going on, Jay? Welcome to the show. Jay, we want to welcome you. So since you're new on the show, we're going to go in order. Um, and we want to welcome you. Thank you for coming on. Taking the time to be here. I want you to give our viewers a brief synopsis of the story you've created. Um, the story we want to go into is for you is Zion Wars. If you can give a synopsis of this story without giving too much away. So Zion Wars is a universe uniting event. Uh, all the characters, the main characters at Pilot Studios in their universe have kind of been created and written and I was challenged with uh, uniting them. So the story really takes this ragtag bunch of misfit heroes and puts them together to uh, go on an adventure and save the son of Hitler from Zodiac. So the real question is who would want to save the son of Hitler? Um, and, and that's the, the core to the, the entire thing. So this guy Zodiac wants to sacrifice Hitler's soul to uh, you know, return the blood of Hitler to the demon from hell. So that there's the uh, core of the story for you guys. Awesome. Nice. And Keiko, tell us about Project Infinity. Brief synopsis so our fans know without giving too much away. Yeah. Okay. I got you. So it, it takes place in the future. And basically the world became one kingdom called the kingdom of earth. But then the bad guys took over and they're called the union. And so the story follows a guy named Gun Lambton. And he wants to get revenge on the leader of the union because he's responsible for his mother's death. And so he ends up joining a group of rebels and it's just all about them putting up a fight against the bad guys and trying to restore the earth to what it was and, and Gunn's journey of trying to avenge his mother. So yeah, it's really fun. And we've got an amazing voice cast um, from all around the world. So there's lots of fun things to see in it. Awesome. 
Well, you guys do some wonderful voice acting with the show because I've been watching. I'm like, oh, you really, really have a great cast of crew that you work with. And if you guys want to get a preview of that crew, go to Inbeyond's YouTube page and you'll actually see the panel that Keiko hosted. You can also see it on her YouTube page as well of them talking about voice acting. Where do you get the influence for your, for your characters, for that character creation? Um, I know, Jay, you are a writer, so definitely where, where does that influence uh, come in to put pen to paper in regards to who you want to see uh, live, lived up? It's funny. I was joking with somebody earlier today. I was having a conversation that, that it seems like it always revolves around where do these characters come from? Mm. Um, and it, it's, it always starts with the conversation. Like we're talking, I'm talking with my partner, uh, Ben Ferrari at pilot studios. And he would say something like, you know, it'd be cool. We're doing this book, always punch Nazis. How great would it be to have a captain America in the pilot universe? And I would just turn around and be like, well, we can't do that. That's kind of against the law. And, and we got a good chuckle out of it. But, but ultimately what ends up happening is you, that seed is planted and he knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing when he makes these suggestions. Cause then he just sits back and he waits. Um, <laughs> and, and from that very seed, um, all of a sudden this character named Warhawk was created where it's like, yeah, I can't do captain America, but I can create this kind of super soldier. And, you know, Warhawk turned out to be a character of, um, Cherokee descent where I took the notion of the, the native people of America where the, we, they lost their land throughout all of history. You know, um, Europeans come over, they settle America and they decide they want the land somehow through trickery trade, however you want to like really rationalize it. They end up taking over the entire continent. Um, but they were kind enough to give the native Americans uh, a little piece of land to call a reservation. Mm. So in my mind, it came to, well, if they're going to experiment on somebody and try and create that super soldier, who would it be? Um, and that's where Warhawk came from. You know, they would go to his reservation, find, find somebody that they could experiment on. And it turned out to be um, a guy who would become the nation's greatest hero. Um, Saturn, one of the key players in Zion Wars, was a creation of mine. And a similar challenge was presented to me where it was like, I want to write Daredevil. Um, mm -hmm. or ben, ben suggested drawing Daredevil. I said, well, we can't do that. He's like, I know. <laughs> so, so, so make it happen. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and then, um, you know, I decided to take this young technological genius who was an arrogant 20-something-year-old, um, too good for, you know, too smart for her own good, mm -hmm. and um, really put her in a position where I said, what would happen if um, this really wealthy adopted child lost all her money how would she survive as a hero um so this young girl who is as arrogant as as anything full of herself could do no wrong ultimately causes a chain reaction of events that puts her in a position where she is out of out of income out of money and she still has to she has that moral obligation to be a hero um so, so these ideas kind of come from challenges various things just what if questions what if we can do this or what if this character appeared or you know how would you spin through creating a new character like um a nazi superman so to speak nice. um 
and that that's how Magni was born. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's like uh, you know you talking about like using Captain uh, using Captain America or Daredevil and like putting these established heroes up and then like deconstructing them and trying to find what you can do to make it a more novel approach. Um, and you definitely are doing that, especially like you know what you explained to us. So that's really dope. Absolutely. You reversed Batman, <laughs> Saturn. That's he, he gave, <laughs> but she's a cool concept and character. I was very in the story, and and and, and I loved uh, what you were doing with the character. Um, Keiko, same question for you, in terms of Gun and the world that you created with Project Affinity. Yeah, well, I I love movies, and I'm so I'm always watching new things, and I think that's where inspiration always comes from for me is I see something and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I want to do something like that, you know? And that's where it starts. And being a voice actress myself, I've kind of got a lot of personalities living inside me. And so it's kind of easy to invent characters in that respect because so often I'm pretending I'm in someone else's shoes. And so with Project Infinity, the first initial ideas of it came to me about 10 years ago, actually. It was a really long time ago, and I was just inspired by various anime and things like that, but I didn't really touch the story for years after that, and then about five years ago, I picked it up again, and I decided I really wanted to do something with it, and so I started working on it again, and Gun was completely different back then, because uh, without revealing too much for people who haven't seen the show, he's a very entertaining protagonist, because he's all over the place. He's kind of unstable, and he's just always kind of walking that fine line of, is he on the good side, is he the bad side? Which I think is entertaining to watch as a viewer, because you never know what they're going to do. Always. always. Yeah, <laughs> I really like that. I always find that really enjoyable. And he wasn't like that at first. In the first draft, he was the polar opposite. He was all kind and sweet and shy. And I just, when I had written like a complete final draft for this early version of the show, and it was like ready to start filming. And then I was just realizing, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's, it just doesn't have the impact it needs to have. Because I always like to make stories that leave an impression on the viewer. And it's worth their time. I want people to leave my shows feeling like they gained something. And it just didn't have that. And then it just hit me like, you know, I think the main character is too perfect. He's boring. And so I, it just hit me to mess him up. I want him to have flaws. And so I messed his character up and <laughs> that's when everything fell into place after that, seriously. It happened really fast. I reworked the story completely and it was expanded into 13 episodes and he's now the gun we all know and love today. But that's certainly not where he started. Does the character heavily influence the rest of the story for you guys? Or influence? Or does the story help shape the character for you guys you want to take this one jay sure um that that's a fantastic question um and i think it depends on on the story um for me personally i always wind up spending a significant amount of time building a character um and what i tend to find out or what i'm doing is i'm building a background that lends itself into the story and it always becomes elements that that i i push into a story um with something like Zion Wars, that, that was um, something that I took where I said I, I wanted to unite a universe. Well, that was the challenge. And the characters were there. I had to get to know the characters. Um, 
but I took a situation with, with Zodiac, who was the main antagonist for Saturn and Orion book one. Um, and and the, the story lent itself to like revenge tale where Saturn was going after this character, but she had to learn how to mix with the other, other characters. Mm-hmm. And she bonded with Fuse. Fuse is a creation of Kurt Belcher. Um, so I was playing with his character and I think my voice ended up in, in her mind, like the story kind of, she ended up becoming the biggest player in that story for me. Um, so I found that I was starting to put the story through her, her eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so where I started with the concept, I, I, I think I lean toward characters first. I think a really good story really sits on how good the characters are. If you can relate to a character, if you read, you know, the artist German Andreas, um, he did such a fantastic job and all he wants from me is to write more fuse. He's like, can you write another fuse story? I don't care if it's two pages. <laughs> I, he, he loves that character. And when I look at that, I'm like, I, I took that character and I said, that, that's the one I fell in love with. That's the one that connected to people throughout that story. And, you know, your, your typical beginning, middle and end, they fall into place. Your conflict, your climax, it's, it's going to be there. Um, generally, I have a very systematic approach to storytelling. It's very, you know, in my mind, it's formulaic. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, my strength is always in developing a character that somebody can connect with. And then just running them through that ringer and saying, how can I make somebody really care about this character and then hurt them so much? (laughs) (laughs) Hurt them in the process. Oh, no. (laughs) You're like like the third writer we've had that goes, (laughs) you just just feel so bad for the main character. We're like, why are you hurting our boys? (laughs) Well, here's a a funny one. I'll go into this one. I'm sorry, Kaiko. I'm taking up more time than I, I should. Um, so I'm going to spoil Saturn and Orion book one, because like to really get through Zion, Saturn and Orion book one has Zodiac, you know, his mission is to Zodiac is a character who is doing what nobody wants to do. He, in his own mind, he's a hero and his, his job is to honor the ancient gods, the gods of, of like Greek gods, Mayan gods, Roman gods, the gods that people have forgotten about over the years. And the reason that he's doing this is because if those gods aren't honored, and typically a Mayan god was honored through human sacrifice, if those gods aren't honored, then they're going to punish the earth. And my, my hook was always like, they did it with Noah, Noah's Ark, you know, the great flood. So he's going on his mission. His sole mission is to do the honoring for the gods, the sacrifice, the innocence, to find the humans, to do what nobody is willing to do and nobody understands. So his goal in Saturn book one was to sacrifice an innocent soul. Otherwise this God by the, the winter solstice was going, I don't know. He was going to just destroy the earth. Um, and it turns out that Orion Saturn's mentor was killed in the process. And that's the, the catalyst to Saturn and her, her spiral into darkness was okay. because the goal was to save the innocent woman that was kidnapped, but Zodiac sacrificed an innocent, which turned out to be Orion. So he ends up winning. Now, all that to, to say, I loved Orion so much. <laughs> I created this character with one purpose. He was going to die. From the moment I created this book, I said, all right, I need a character to kill. 
and then as I wrote the story, I, I, I'm horrible. I'm like, I, I love this character. My um, Kip, Kip reads this script before it even goes into the developmental like art stage. And he's like, uh, why'd you do that? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, why'd you kill Orion? I'm like, Oh good. I got a winner. So, and, and then from there, I'm like, how do I bring him back from the dead? How do I do this? I want that character back. It, It was, we're guilty of it. You know, we create these characters to run them through the gamut and in the process, it's painful. We, we love these creations of ours. They're, you know, fake people on paper, but yet you, you just care about them. Yeah. And that's always hard when you, when you're initially writing a story and you decide who's going to be killed off in the story. (laughs) Yes. But then when you finally get to that point in the writing or creating process, you've grown close to the characters. And so you're torn between do you stick with what but you how do you detach then like what's like what's that moment where you're like i gotta let this character go yeah you, you know what's funny it's it's a weird thing because and again this was another debate where someone's like it's so cliche to kill a character and i'm like not if you do it right and of course he's like what do you mean how do you do it right and I'm like, and that, that's the, to me, that's the difference between that detachment and not. It's like, if you do it right, you, you're, you're hurting for doing it. And the reader cares so much about it. It's not just, you know, a lot of comic book death is shock value. Yeah. You know, but then yeah. you look at one, um, you know, you always go back to someone like Gwen Stacy who, or, or Electra when, um, when she dies. And you look at that and you're like, what made this so significant? It's because you cared about the character as you were reading the story. And then, you know, like um, when Spider-Man ultimately dies at the hands of Doc Ock, you cared about him so much. And the rage and the anger that poor Dan Slott had to go through dealing with this, the, the impact of it, knowing everyone knows he's coming back. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But, but still in that moment, you care so much that you're just, drawn in and and i don't know that there's a way as a writer that you can detach from a character um just i i think it's just commitment to the story and commitment to it because if you care as the as the person putting the pen to paper then you you would think the reader um would care along with you and i think that's what makes the powerful impact yeah definitely yeah, I agree. if it's like uh if you if you don't really care then the death was in vain and not needed yeah. you know so- exactly that's how i feel yeah so keiko you've wrote a few series including project affinity Uh, have you seen that with any of your characters have you had that where you had to detach from certain characters i'm like well i have to let you go i'm sorry it's really funny in the past i was pretty ruthless with the characters i killed off because (laughs) (laughs) it really hurt like like my family like they see me as i'm creating the show and so they're just like are you really gonna do that and but i was like yeah that's how i wrote it but uh, these days, I'm a little I love more. Why she's so cold from the jump? Like just, nah. Yeah, you gotta I, I go, just, buddy. Yeah, they were just like little pawns in the story. It's awful because I, <laughs> I've kind of. Oh my God. Remember, in chess, the pawns go first. <laughs> oh my God. That's yeah, crazy. and so, but I've definitely it's changed a bit. I don't know if it's just life experiences or whatever, but um, it definitely there's more thought put into it. And I actually, with my current show, um reversed uh, some choices early on in production so like when we started filming the first few episodes the script had already been written Mm -hmm. and i made a few subtle changes early on because uh, my instinct just changed and i realized that i think the fans and the viewers would appreciate it more if 
I took care of certain characters, <laughs> so, but I always stick with my gut. And so I never let anything influence, but I just also realized, you know, it's kind of like we were talking about, don't do something just for shock value. Mm -hmm. You've got to make sure it really is the best choice for that particular story. And I think I've gotten really good at that, just determining what's natural. So if that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect Absolutely. sense. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. And now to thank our sponsors. The Nerds of the Round is brought to you by Enbeyond. Make sure to use the code GETNERDYWITHIT to get 10% off merchandise and services such as web hosting, printing, and more at nbeyond.com. What's been the most 180 of a character? Where you yeah. started off, like you said, you started off, you know, like such a happy-go-lucky, and you were like, nah, I'm going to give him some tragic backstory and <laughs> really mess him up. Yeah, I know what you mean. I usually, because I always write the script before we start filming or recording or whatever. And so usually we stick close to the script and I know what I'm looking for when it comes time for auditioning and all that kind of thing. But uh, there have been times where a voice actor can kind of change how you look at a character and they have a unique take on them. And you're like, I didn't really see that character that way. And so that can be cool. But uh, usually the script stays how it is, at least with my stories. Uh, but uh, you can just kind of appreciate characters more when these amazing actors give new life to them. So, but yeah, I usually try to get all the, uh, everything figured out before we start filming. And I always try to stick to it. Like I was saying, when I made a few little changes early on in production, that's pretty rare for me, but I just felt like it was the right choice. Mm. And so it's kind of different every time. I find something similar in a way um, with the comics, you know, you, you get the voice actor who lends their voice as they're auditioning and, and you, you make those changes accordingly to fit the, the actor's vision or the director in any case. Um, for, for us on the comic book side, it's the director becomes the artist. And often, very often, I find that I'll write a script. I'll, I'll, I always tell my artists that, that I'm working with, I'm like, please take liberties. You know, if you see something a certain way, I, I'll change it. I'll change it at the end. I'll fix the dialogue. I'll, I'll rework things. I'll make it, I'll make it fit your art vision. You know, if the story fits where we were, you know, there's always room. And I, I find that sometimes the art, the pages come in and you look at them and you're like, I have to change up the dialogue. I have to change up, you know, this argument the characters are having or, or what they're saying, just based on a simple panel that, a, that an artist has to get just a different voice for what that vision is. So I always find that right before the book's going to print, you know, you just relook at it, the lettered copy, and you're like, I have to fix this and that just to fit more for what the art shows. So those changes happen all the time. So uh, kind of going back to uh, something you had said earlier, Keiko, in regards to like you being a voice actress and having just tons and tons of like characters in your head. Yeah. <laughs> characters, when you're like living those out, do you have full-fledged backstories, ideas of what you want to do with them, their personality types, their flaws, their traits? Um, like, do you have that in there? And then kind of twisting that question to you, Jay, when you're writing, do you like have that same does that same thing happen to you when you're creating a, whole, a, a new world or a new script or kind of creating something for a new character and just like you want to do like X, Y, and Z and you maybe like kind of put on the back burner until, you know, you can kind of bring them along. Yeah. So uh, like 
I'm talking about the like, do I have developed backstories and stuff? Do you mean with like the voices I play or yeah. with my own writing? No, like with like when you're like kind of you know because it's kind of become so second nature at this point where you've got like so many yeah. different characters in there. Like, are they kind of full fledged and developed and like you have an idea of what you want to do with them, or is it more so just you've got a voice, they got a quirk to them, um, but they're not super, you know, they're not there yet. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, it depends. Like when I'm doing a project for a another director or something, they usually give me the the backstory of the character and they kind of lay it out for me, so I know I know where I'm supposed to be coming from. So there's not much. It's not much up to myself, my own thinking. Even though, of course, you put your own spin on it. But uh, when it comes to, I don't know. I've kind of got several voices I like to do often, and when I'm auditioning for things. I give those as like, here are your options and I can kind of do anything else, but these are the main ones. And so I kind of associate a personality with each of those voices just naturally, but I wouldn't say they have super developed backstories or anything. I just kind of, it's kind of a side of my personality I can slip into. So I would say that, but when it comes to writing, I obviously develop backstories quite thoroughly. So uh, what do you have to say about that, Jay? So, so, and you said it with the writing. So there's, I, I think there's two different ways I would approach this. Um, right now I'm building a world. It's, uh, it's in such raw stages. Um, the earliest of stages, it's, it's kind of, I have the idea, the seed of an idea, and, and I'm creating just characters at this point that fit into the story. And when I create characters from scratch, when I'm world building like I currently am, I go, I go through different ideas for characters. Like I said earlier, I write, I'll write a whole thorough backstory. It's for the main character. It might be a whole page. Just, I, I tell my students in class, whenever I'm teaching writing, I'll tell them, you know, if you ever, they'll never see this. I'm like, if you ever get a view of this, you'll see a lot of different things written down. Um, it, it, it'll just be gibberish. And then like 18 potty words and then gibberish again. And then all of a sudden the gibberish starts flowing into a character and it becomes this just absurd thought out backstory that has very little to do with the, the story. Sometimes it lends itself and it becomes part of the story. Other times it's just information for me to figure out who the character is, what their motivations are, um, what their emotions might be. And just, just to inform me on where I want to go. Um, and then when I sit down to write, I add voice to that character. Um, that's if I'm world building in the case of a character like fuse, um, you know, she's the daughter of dive bomb dive bomb is again, a creation of Kurt Belcher, who I've worked with numerous times at pilot studios. Um, so he created dive bomb and dive bomb is a mailman with a jetpack, right? So he, he just, he's a, a run the mill dad. He wants to get by and his daughter um, actually, I shouldn't say that the government wants the jetpack technology that his that dive bombs family have kind of, they've kind of said, you know, um, we're going to keep this to ourselves. We're not going to let you use it for whatever nefarious plans that you have. Um, I would like a jetpack. You want to be rocketeers and Mando. <laughs> and well, Fuse also wants a jetpack, so she <laughs> took it upon herself to find the family secret and make her own. Dad's not too happy. Um, but when, when it came to Fuse, now these are characters I didn't create. So to me, that's a different approach because you're looking at a story and you have to find the voice of a character that somebody else had. Um, 
So when I'm creating a character, it's really about finding who the character is. Mm -hmm. When the character was created for me, it's about figuring out who that character is and lending the right voice to that character. Um, hopefully that makes sense. Um, thankfully, I have a daughter who happened to be the age Fuse was when uh, I was writing Zion and a couple of other Fuse stories. So that <laughs> worked out very well. <laughs> um, and I tell my wife, I'm like, yeah, so, so you know, our daughter is, is uh, that's her voice. And she's like, well, you should create a story for the other daughter. I'm like, wait, 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 you're missing the whole point here. <laughs> <laughs> Go play favorites. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so a question for you both, since we all touched on it and talked about the big pain in the ass that it is, what is your process for coming up with names? Uh, <laughs> uh, I know, I know just specifically uh, what I, you know, what, what I know what I've done and stuff. I've like end up going to like Arthurian legend and things like that. Just looking for things in the past that have specific meanings or different spellings or different pronunciations and tend to use that. So what's your go-to for, uh, for, for name creation? I'll end up, so depending on, on where I am, um, I actually called up my friend um, and used his name for the Orion character and told him as I was using his name, I'm like, just so you know, I'm going to kill you in the first issue. <laughs> and he's like, wow. That, and he just looks at me, he's like, that's awesome. Do it. I'm like, cool. Okay. Um, so, so that was, you know, that was that one. Sometimes I'll, I'll just do like baby names. I'll Google baby names. Um, I will look at Greek gods, goddesses, you know, I, I referenced Magni before, um, and I was looking up, it, it really came to, this is a, a Nazi Superman to put it in the most simplest way there is. Um, but he was raised by Hitler and I said, what would Hitler name? And, and that's really what it came down to. Like, what would Hitler name his superpowered man? And, and so I, I went through German gods. And I said, which German God fits this character the best? So I'll, I'll do a lot of that where I'm looking through ancient gods and trying to work something out or certain keywords in a foreign language and rework them. Um, it's, it's just a process uh, and it's a grueling process because, you know, I, I had a name where um, again, Ben Ferrari, he, 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 he made the mistake of putting a joke out. He's like, we should name a character deadbeat. And I'm like, you went there and I'm going to write it. <laughs> and then when, when I wrote it, he's like, wait, I was kidding. I'm like, too late. <laughs> and then That's he actually a really good name for a character. <laughs> well, he changed like the name. He's would like, be like the best like D&D dungeon masters. Cause like you'll take anything that the party says and goes, say less. And then just start <laughs> writing stuff down. Five sessions later, it comes back up and we're like, that was a joke. Like you weren't supposed to, <laughs> and then you just see like a giant creature come out that you guys yeah. are like, that's your fault. You mentioned the character. <laughs> you, you that's it. in the universe. Yeah, that's funny. So for your for your deadbeat character, was he like so? Was he like the what the name the meaning of the name was, or was it more like a complete opposite? Um. So the deadbeat character, when I wrote him, um, Ben Ben was like when he said he was joking. He's like, we have to change the name of this character. And for a very long time, he became this guy Bloodwrath. Um. And the, the idea to stick with the notion of I'm stealing from everybody under the sun, um, Ben wanted like a Punisher type of character. So instead of making him uh, um, the Punisher per se, he, he became a cutthroat vigilante, but I made him um, Muslim. And in making him Muslim, I also made him 
<laughs> um, the hero of the story, but, but he's like hunting terrorists. So he's a Muslim American whose sole purpose is to hunt terrorist cells um, and stop them from committing atrocities. Um, I fought hard to bring the name Deadbeat back because it was, just, <laughs> it was just too good. And his first appearance actually was in Always Punch Nazis 3. Um, where he teamed up with Silent Night. Well, actually, he didn't team up with Silent Night. I took it, um, Always Punch Nazis in the Anti-Racism Anthology. Um, Seb, I know you know about that one. Um, and, and I took this, I looked at the world recently with the statues being torn down, and Ben wanted this character in the book. Um, so Luis Rivera, this guy's a fantastic artist out of San Francisco. Uh, Luis Rivera offered to draw. And I said, fine, you know, I'll, I'll put Deadbeat in the story. But I, instead of making him a clear cut hero, he was actually the villain of the story. He, he's the all American, American wearing the Confederate flag as his hood. So when you see this character, he wears a hood like Cobra Commander would wear. Mm. Um, and, and his normal hood would be one with just blood flowing down it. Um, I don't know who designed him. I forgot. I think it was Ben or Kurt. Um, it looks cool visually, but I'm like, what would this guy wear if he's trying to stop people, you know, the Confederacy flags, these symbols that everyone's looking at. Some people don't understand the history behind the symbols. And that's how I approached the character for that story. The whole point was turning like um, Deadbeat into a good guy, making him understand, you know, the racism behind the Confederate flag mm -hmm. and tearing down the Confederate statues. Uh, Silent Night, uh, was it was a creation from myself, Kurt Belcher and Ben Ferrari. We all kind of teamed up together. The joke behind this character was how funny would it be if we had a hero who couldn't talk and every time he wanted to talk, he pulled a card out of his Batman utility belt and the card said something. <laughs> and he was so prepared that for any situation you could possibly think of, he had a card that either had a question, an answer, or a statement that fit the situation perfectly. That's amazing. That's so oh, no, no. What was amazing is what we called the cards because then Kurt rattles off, like off the cuff, he's like, we'll call them cards against villainy. <laughs> <laughs> well fucking Bravo. done, sir. Bravo. That's awesome. Well done. So, yeah, it's funny. Uh, selecting names, names are really important with characters and they can really help steer the story when you're having trouble and i agree with jay i literally have a book it's called name your baby and i've owned it for years <laughs> and it's my go-to book and so it's kind of funny because i always have it laying around the house and people are just like what and so i that's what i use to name my characters a lot of times but then there's a like gun lambton he's the main character of my story the name gun is obviously not in a baby book and so i sometimes have to be creative when i want a character to have a more unique name Mm -hmm. And I've noticed with my protagonist, a lot of the times I like something short um, and different. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of strange. I've got this pattern of like weapons or something in the names. I've named a character Blade before. And there was a character named Knight in one of my previous shows. So I like to give them unusual names, but they're kind of short and easy to remember. And I just kind of thought it was interesting to name the main character for this show, uh, Gun, because it's a very dangerous world that he lives in. But his mother wanted him to live to see a peaceful world and a happy world. So it's kind of an interesting paradox that his name is Gun. And so it kind of, it's almost like a responsibility is on his shoulders to see this peaceful world his mom wanted him to see. But he's such a conflicted character and he's always walking that fine line of good and bad. And so it, it makes it interesting to watch. 
He's a pretty interesting character. We watch it, but uh, now I want to approach you guys with the last question. Um, and this is for those who are looking to create worlds, create characters. What advice would you give to those looking to write their own characters, create their own worlds? Um, if and and think about it like it's advice that you're giving to yourself before getting on this journey. Yeah, I would say uh, inspire yourself. Uh, that's how I work is through inspiration. And so surround yourself yourself with uh, stuff that inspires you. And that'll by itself start triggering, triggering ideas in your head. And it'll st- your characters will start coming to you. And I say get a visual on them. That's, uh, I talked about this at the convention at Embyon. Uh, I like to get a visual. And so a lot of times I'll, I'll draw the characters and I'll just have a little notebook with a bunch of character designs and I'll start giving them names and backstories. And once that's all you've got to do, you're looking at that blank page and you just got to put something into existence and one thing leads to another and just keep inspiring yourself and you'll get more uh, experience and it'll be easier the more you do it. So that's what I would say. What about you, Jay? I, I think you said it. The scariest, the scariest thing to look at is that blank page. Um, I mean, my, my writing process involves a lot of, I, 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 again, I'll tell my students, you know, I spin in a chair, I spin back and forth, I distract myself with my phone. I, it's, it's the weird, I'll type a line of something, I'll get up, walk around the room in a big circle, sit back down, type another line. It, Spinning it is, chairs are the best. It is the weirdest process yes. that's probably more normal than I would ever know. Um, but, but when you stare at the blank page, it's going to stay blank until you type something. And that's when I, when I referenced before, you know, I'll type gibberish, I'll type some words that are just inappropriate. I'll, I'll type whatever just to, just to get things. I'll type conversations I'm having in my head with myself, trying to get myself to almost psych myself up to write something about the character. And then at some point, magically, and it is, it feels like magic. It's just suddenly you start typing and you start typing a story. And the next thing you know, you start typing the story you want to tell. The scariest thing is a blank page. And the, the best advice I can give anybody, regardless of if you're copying Batman, you know, the animated series, and you're writing a, a story from, you know, Kevin Conroy's Bruce Wayne, you're writing a story. Um, you know, I think Kevin Smith says it, you know, you emulate yeah. until you can innovate. And then eventually you're going to inspire and you're going to write your own story. But if you're not writing, it'll never happen. I love that advice that you guys have left for our viewers. This, this has been an awesome Beautiful episode. Advice, this has been fun. Keiko, first, please tell our viewers where they can find you. Yes, well, they can find me on YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel is MLA Entertainment. And that is where you can find my new, my current web series, which is called Project Infinity. So please go check it out. And I'm also on Twitter. Uh, as of a few months ago, I finally joined the Twitter train. So uh, yeah. you can find me at MLA underscore int. So uh, yeah, hope to see you guys there. <laughs> I think Facebook's Jay Hewer, Twitter's Hewer14. Samples of my work, my email, my contact information are on my website, jasonhewer.com. So guys, you heard it here. Please follow them, like, and subscribe, support their projects. Thank you guys Absolutely. again. So this Thank has you. been your boy, Sebastian. It's your boy, Law. And your boy, Tone from across the hall. Stay nerdy and happy holidays.